Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I'm glad you could join us here this morning as we're going to get the word. We are in the midst of a series called Overcoming Complacency. And all my messages were written before the virus was affecting our country the way it is now. And I've been tempted to scrap the series and and move on and, and think of something else to preach on. But the more and more I thought about it and prayed about it, I just want to keep it. I just want to keep talking about overcoming complacency. Because this is a really serious time in our country. This is a really serious time in our churches, in our church, in our individual lives. And I think it's an important time for our country and for our churches and for us as individuals. It's a time of self-examination to see if we are following Jesus, if we love Jesus, if we are truly committed to Him. So I'm going to keep this series on overcoming complacency. And since our service is online this morning, I'm going to use this time to address Village Bible Church, but I also want to broaden it out because I know that others may be listening from all over. And so I'm going to speak to the, the broader church. Before I begin, let's pray. Lord, This is something that is out of a categories that we even understand, especially many of us who have never missed church for any reason. And I just ask, Lord, that you would speak to us now through your word. We know you will. Help us to listen. Change us. Rearrange us. And use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. A refrain that you will often hear from Christians is that we as a nation need to repent. You'll see it on social media. You will hear it from the pulpits throughout the land that the nation of America needs to repent. And to that I say, absolutely. Our nation needs to repent from their wickedness and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's times like this during a crisis where there can be more self-examination, more seeing what's important in life, and perhaps many will repent, and perhaps revival may break out. So I agree that the nation needs to repent. But... The church must repent first. The nation needs to repent in a a variety of ways. Yes, yes, yes. But the church must repent first. And I'm going to speak in broad terms here. Not about any particular church, but in broad terms. The church needs to repent of our idolatry. 
our immorality, our materialism, our greed, our, our racism, our desire to have things focus on us, that we become consumers at church, where if the church is just off just a little bit, doesn't meet my needs, then I'm gone. We need to repent. And one of the biggest areas we need to repent in is the area of division. We are often a divided church. When I was pastor in my last church in the Chicago area in Evanston, it was mainly filled with uh, college students, those in their 20s and those in their 30s. And while I was pastoring this younger group of people, I I would hear so much from the broader church dogging on the younger generation of Christians, mocking them and making fun of them. And, And I hated that. But now I pastor an older church made up of retirees, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And now I'm in this context, and I hear from the broader church people being critical of Christians who are older. And it's terrible. There is division. We need to repent in a variety of ways. Yes, the nation needs to repent, but the church must repent first. And that's the message we're going to see this morning from the Word of God. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus is calling a church to repent. There's a variety of letters that were written to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And as John was writing these, Jesus is urging John to write, there is usually a description of something that is going good to the church, a command to change some error, and along with a blessing and a warning. And the situation is unique for each of the seven churches. And so as we look at Jesus speaking to the church in Laodicea, we want to ask ourselves, what is Jesus saying to us as a church today, and how shall we respond? So let's look at the details of Jesus speaking to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this. Let's start by talking about Laodicea. Laodicea was an area of economic prosperity. They had a medical school, many banks, and a flourishing textile industry. And in AD 60, they had this devastating earthquake, but the city didn't take any outside financial help from Rome, but rebuilt itself on its own. And this prosperity and self-sufficiency mindset was infiltrating the church. This church had swagger. This church thought they were epic in all that they did. This church was arrogant. But they didn't realize that they were spiritually poor, spiritually blind, spiritually empty, and spiritually complacent. Of all the churches listed in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, This is the only one that is the most messed up. Jesus doesn't say 
anything positive about this church. They are commended for nothing. Jesus offers this dire rebuke to the point where judgment is coming quickly if they do not repent. Now stay with verse 14. As Jesus speaks to the churches, he also gives, he often gives this self-identification to each church that fits their own situation. So he, he gives these identifiers of himself. And, he, and here he gives three. Did you notice the first one? In verse 14, he says that he is the amen, which means that he's trustworthy. He is authoritatively truthful. And if you skip the second one and notice the third one, it says he is the beginning of the creation of God. He's not created, but the creator. But I really want us to focus on the middle descriptor of Jesus. He calls himself the faithful and true witness. You see, this is a compromised church. They are not being faithful and they are not being a true witness because a compromised church is not a witnessing church. So Jesus gives these self-identifiers where he is faithful and he is true and he is calling the church to imitate him, to repent and imitate him in faithfulness and true witness. Now continue on. Verse 15. This is kind of like a big famous verse here. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Don't think in terms of hot. That means like faith on fire or, or cold means like a cooling of the faith because in this context, hot and cold are both positives. This is kind of cool to know. In this culture, hot water would be considered medicinal in purpose and cold water would be good for drinking. But lukewarm water wasn't good for anything. It could make you throw up. And specifically about Laodicea, they had to have their water pumped in from a distance. And once it arrived, it was lukewarm. And they would either have to heat it, make it warm, or let it sit for a while to get cool. And so Jesus uses the state of the lukewarm water to refer to the state of the lukewarm church. This is a lukewarm church that is about to be spit out or vomited out of the mouth of Christ. Someone put it in today's terms. It's as if Jesus is saying, I want water that will refresh me. But you remind me instead of the water you always complain about. You make me want to puke. Their deeds, their works are ne neither healing nor life-giving, and they make Jesus Christ sick. They're probably steeped in idolatry and the worship of the emperor, false gods associated with the trade guilds, and all the sexual immorality that goes along with it. If they do not repent, then Christ will vomit them out of his mouth. Verse 17. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched 
and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Not only is the church lukewarm and steeped in sin, but they are deceived and they think they have it all together. They have money. They're self-sufficient. They boast of their riches and prosperity. They think they lack nothing. They're like, God, you know, God and I, we're, we're good. We have plenty. We are rich. Look at all my prosperity. I am doing nothing wrong. But their prosperity may be an indication of their compromise in worshiping other gods associated with the trade guilds along with its cultural acceptance and benefits. It's been said that most Christians can handle suffering but not prosperity. Because suffering makes you dependent. Many of you may be going through some hard times right now and it makes you dependent and cling to the Lord. While prosperity tends to make you independent and see little need for the Lord. And this is the prosperous and arrogant church here. They say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. But Jesus hits them with the truth. Look again at verse 17. Look what he says. He says, you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Let me, let me just stop for the moment. You, you, ever, you ever just thought to yourself or you know some people who say, you know, I just want to read the red letters of the Bible. I just want Jesus' words. I don't want the rest of the Bible, which is, which is not good because all of it is God's word to us. But if you just want the, the red letters and you just want Jesus' words, and you think they're all going to be nice and neat, well, this is Jesus speaking right here in Revelation 3, and he says to this church, you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Put that verse up on your wall, right? Put that as a magnet on your refrigerator. This is Jesus speaking to the church. These are Christ's words, and, and it looks like that's really harsh, but it's right on point. Their self-sufficiency is a sign of their poverty. They are spiritually poor, blind, naked. Get this. Until you see your spiritual poverty, then you are never going to come to Christ and buy from Him what you cannot afford. Until you see your spiritual poverty, then you are never going to come to Christ and buy from Him what you cannot afford. Look at the solution that Christ lays out for them. He's calling them to buy something that they cannot afford. How does that work? Look at verse 18. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. This city was filled with banks as the financial industry prospered and the church was prosperous as well. But Jesus says that they are spiritually poor so they must buy, do you see it there? Gold refined by, fi by fire. What is gold refined by fire? 
Well, these are the true riches found in Christ. And the only way that you can purchase these riches is through repentance. Repentance makes one rich. And get this, not only do they need to buy gold or find by fire, but it also says that they are spiritually poor and they are spiritually naked. And notice, notice verse 18 again, that they must buy white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. It's ironic that white garments are mentioned because Laodicea is known for the production of expensive black wool. And they can look sharp, dressed up, all nice and neat, but they still could be naked and exposed in the eyes of God, who is the judge. They need the white garments, these white garments of purity and holiness. They are naked in their idolatry and shamed through their immorality, so they need the coverings of the white garments of the holiness of Christ. Now, in addition to being spiritually poor and naked, it also says that they are spiritually blind. And look what they need to buy for that. That they are told that they need to buy eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. They would be familiar with the concept of eye salve because apparently they had a medical college that created a well-known eye salve that was sent throughout the empire. And what Christ is doing, he's making this connection to their need for a spiritual salve. That their vision is so blurred that they cannot see. That the, their sin has clouded their judgment and, and they need to repent in order to see again. Now this, this hard-hitting Jesus, this hard-hitting me- message in the New Testament reminds me something from the Old Testament. And I've got to show you, so stick with me here. I want to show you something from the Old Testament that's very similar. And it comes from Isaiah 55 verses 1 through two. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 2. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Did you catch it in the middle there? It says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Why spend your time and money on those things that will not satisfy you? I'm telling you, worldliness is not going to satisfy you. Idolatry is not going to satisfy you. Immorality is not going to satisfy you. Why would we keep buying things that are not going to satisfy us? We are called to purchase those things, to make spiritual purchases through repentance and faith. We are to purchase those riches, the riches found in Jesus. We are to turn from our sin, turn to Christ, and find in Him and Him alone is spiritual riches of forgiveness, of grace, mercy and love, reconciliation with the Father, through His perfect life, His atoning death, burial, glorious resurrection, we can make spiritual purchases, be forgiven, grow, mature, 
and walk with God. These are the spiritual purchases we need to make. All right, well, let's go back to Revelation. And verse 19. And this may be a verse that many Christians do not believe. So let's see if you're one of those who does not believe this. I hope you do. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. If you're God's child, God will discipline you from time to time. does it to all of us. He may bring hardships that kind of wake us up, open our eyes, see that we've kind of been off and drifting, and bring us back to trusting in Him and following Him as best as we can by His grace on this earth. And there's times where He brings these hardships. And the purpose of the hardship is to repent, for us to repent. That's what it says. He says to them specifically, be zealous and repent. It's like you can be walking this direction, following foolishness, following idolatry, going in direction you shouldn't be going, and, and God brings a discipline, and you want to repent, which means you are turning around, and you are going the other direction. Repent does not mean I'm going this direction. I say, God, I'm sorry for my sins, and then you keep going in that direction. No, 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 no. Repentance is I'm going in this direction. God, forgive me. Give me grace. Help me. You turn around, and you start going in that direction. doesn't mean you will never fall again or make mistakes again or sin again, but you are headed after Christ. And God will bring that hardships and discipline sometime so that we will be zealous and repent. And now probably the most famous verse of all from this, this passage. It's in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Perhaps you've heard this verse in regard to evangelism that Jesus is standing at the door of the unbelieving heart, knocking and waiting to be let in. But I want you to make sure you understand this. That, that's not necessarily the context. The context is Jesus talking to a wayward church. Jesus is knocking on the door of the church he is the head of the church and he's on the outside knocking, trying to get in. Isn't that amazing? He's knocking and he's, he's saying, let me in. This is an offer of renewal and fellowship to those who repent. Come on, let me in and I'll dine with you. And this meal, maybe, maybe it's a meal of feast in the kingdom or, or maybe this is even referring to the Lord's Supper. You see, this, this church here may be like many churches around the world who celebrate the Lord's Supper, and yet Jesus is on the outside of the church knocking, knocking to get in. And the churches and the individuals who open the door, who repent, they're restored in fellowship and a renewed relationship with Christ. Now we finish up, and we go on to verses 21 and 22 about the one who overcomes. Verse 21, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This message goes out 
to all who have spiritual ears to hear and respond. Not only do believers get to share a meal with Jesus, but they also they get to reign with Jesus. This is likely referring to the, the millennium or the new heavens and the new earth. But in order to reign with Christ, they must first go low and admit their dependence upon Him for life. It's that concept, you lose your life in order to gain it. You humble yourself and He will lift you up. And this life is promised to all those who repent, put their faith in Christ, persevere, conquer by His grace, and reign with Him forever. My brothers and sisters, I agree. Our nation needs to repent. But the church must go first. This is an opportunity like an opportunity that I have not really seen except maybe a couple other times in my lifetime as a Christian for the last 25 years where things get pressed in our nation. People are more awake spiritually. They're, they're willing to hear the gospel, consider what Christ is saying, and by God's grace, many will be saved because of this current crisis. Yes, the nation needs to repent, but the church must go first. And maybe this is a time that God is pressing us, bringing his discipline upon our church, bringing his discipline upon the churches in America where we're going to get stressed and in a sense squeezed by the loving discipline of, of the Lord, and this will bring us to a time of repentance and renewal where we can start to repent of our self-dependence, repent of our self-sufficiency, or repent on how accumulated wealth has deafened our ears to the vulnerable, repent of immorality, repent of idolatry, Repent of this division that, that keeps us from unity in Christ. My brothers and sisters, let, let's stop buying the stuff that is worthless and does not satisfy. May we be those who buy spiritual life in Christ through faith in Christ, where we get free grace and, and the riches of Christ just poured out on us. For only Christ satisfies and completely fulfills. And may that be a message that we, we shine out to our neighbors and, and we give the gospel out and we, and we call the nation to repentance because the church has repented. We, we are walking with the Lord. We're not perfect, but we're walking with the Lord and we want people to get in on these riches of Christ and put their faith in Christ. May we be those who during this time of hardship and being pressed, examine ourselves, turn to grace and buy riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I do ask that our sufferings will not be wasted. That this time that is upending our nation and even us as families and churches will not be wasted. May this be a time for us to examine ourselves and turn to you. Turn away from those things that do not ultimately satisfy and find riches in Christ. May we do this as individuals. May we do this as churches. May we do this as a nation. May we repent, put our faith in you, 
and see a move of God start to work in our churches and our nations where perhaps even revival starts to break out. Lord, just give us that vision of walking with you and seeing others walk with you. And may we be those who are faithful and true witnesses. And may we not be a compromised church, but may we buy from you what only you can give to satisfy in Jesus Christ alone. It's his name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.